On this episode of the 132 Breeze Podcast, we have tournament talk, basketball, 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 Sweet 16 recap, quickly go through that, dive deep into the lead eight, see their final four preview. Uh, we had some movement in the Big Ten. Nebraska fires and hires a new coach for all our Nebraska fans out there. Pay professionals, baseball has started. NFL, Bears make a trade. A legend retires. And, of course, everyone's favorite segment, Casey's Corner Kick. All right, let's start the show. Back with another episode of the 132 Breeze Podcast. As always, this is Marlo, joined by Casey. And Casey, we just got done with the wonderful Sunday of sports. Some might say one of the best Sundays in sports. That's right, Mar- That's right, Marlo. I rolled from a uh, Liverpool victory starting at 1030 in the morning into a, I think it was like a noon start Bucks game, into a 110 Brewers game. And then I realized, oh, wait. <laughs> Then see, tournament games are on, uh, and that obviously went until, what, 7 o'clock. So it's been sports, sports, sports for me. Um, most of those going my way, the Bucks lost. Uh, granted, they, all their reserves were in, but uh, the Bucks lost. But other than that, I think everything went my way. So what a day in sports. Uh, just excited to talk about it. Excited to be here, Marlo. Um, a lot on the plate, a lot of basketball. A lot of basketball. Basketball, basketball, basketball. As we are... Winding up the 2018-2019 season. Um, so, shall we start with the tournament? Do a little bit of cleanup from what we uh, missed since our last podcast. When uh, start with the Sweet 16. Yeah, before we, I guess, before we get into that, Marlo, mm-hmm. do you? I think I've come to like this weekend better than the first weekend. Whoa! I think. Take. Yeah, I think the. Granted. None of the games are on when I'm at work, so that kind of I don't have that at work distraction um, or uh, let's say reasons to take off work um, there. But I think the games are generally better, and I think the spacing of the games is a little bit better. That I actually feel like I'm not missing things because uh, mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of times the first weekend I'm, I'm missing a lot, uh, and this week uh, they seem to line it up better so that I can watch like the whole first half of the first game, the second half of the first half of the second game, and then repeat that the the second time. Uh, it just feels nicer. And then lead eight, obviously you want to tune in for every minute of those games, and we got rewarded for that this year. But what do you think about yeah this weekend being better? I can see with this year, this this weekend being better since there weren't that many upsets. I think mm-hmm. as we talked about uh, going into it, so these matchups, they were cleaner matchups, uh, better played matchups for the most part, uh, better games. So I, I can, I can, uh, I can see where you're coming from. I'm not there yet. I, yeah. I believe the first weekend is just so magical with basketball everywhere you turn, yeah. things happening, create you know, whip it back and forth. But uh, I'm not gonna diss. I'm not going to completely diss what you're what you're putting down there. Yeah, you usually get you're right. Maybe it's a little bit of recency bias. Uh, we didn't get any of those kind of Cinderella teams to go through to this week, and normally that's where a lot of them kind of run out of their magic. Right? They get the week to think about it. A team gets the week to prepare for them. You know, every it seems like the last couple of years one has snuck through, but uh, yeah. we didn't have that this year, and just got some really good matchups. Right. Exactly. So. So let's go ahead and just. 
run through the Sweet 16. Uh, I guess going back to uh, Thursday-Friday games here, uh, I think the first one was Gonzaga-Florida State. Gonzaga defeating Florida State 72-58. to uh, What was your quick take on that, Marlon? Gonzaga showing everyone why they were number one seed and yeah. a team to reckon with for uh, that game against Florida State. Yeah, I thought coming away from this game that Gonzaga was outside the... I guess I still thought Duke was going to win this time, but I thought they had the best chance of beating Duke um, and a chance to win it all, and obviously that didn't come true. Uh, in this game, I thought it was it could have been different if Kamaji, the center for uh, Florida State, he got in foul trouble kind of throughout the game. He only ended up playing 11 minutes, and it would have been interesting to see what happened in this game if that didn't happen. Uh, but it did, and Gonzaga rolled. Um so that was that one. On to Purdue. Uh, Purdue, 99. Uh, Tennessee, 94. That was in overtime. I would dare to say this was, if not uh, the game of the round of uh, Sweet 16, it was one of the two uh, with Purdue edging out Tennessee in overtime. Tennessee could not keep up with the Big Ten after having <laughs> Iowa come back on them 25 points to squeak out in overtime. This time they came back on Purdue but could not – Squeak it out in overtime versus them. Uh, Purdue was on fire, shooting from the outside. This was yep. a really fun game to watch, but Tennessee just can't just can't handle the boilermaker. <laughs> yeah, I was, coming into this, I was like, ooh, if Tennessee could barely hang with Iowa, watch out for Purdue. Um, but the story of this game was Ryan Klein Marlowe. He was 7 for 10 from 3, a career-high 27 points. 22 in the second half. There was a lot of the points in the second half this tournament, if you didn't notice that. Uh, a lot of pointing out when the points were coming by the CBS broadcast. Uh, but he was 6 for 7 from 3 and some ridiculous, ridiculous threes. Uh, with the hitch in his shot, the way he fades, I mean, it was he was uh, unconscious out there. It was so fun to watch. Uh, and that kind of continued for Purdue into uh, the Elite Eight game, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Yeah, speaking of that... Casey, I was yep. wondering this as watching all these games and how the three-point celebration has taken a life of its own. <laughs> okay, yeah. What what would be your three-point celebration? Oh boy, uh, I'm so lame. I don't know what it means. <laughs> I like I like the uh, holding up the three and then doing like shooting a bow and arrow. Okay, like you put up the three and then you like pull it back. That thing, I like that. I think I do that. Like that. I don't yeah. know if I'm cool enough to pull such a thing off. Let alone make three pointers, but <laughs> let's yeah, let's start with making the three pointers. Yeah, uh, how about you? How about you? Uh, I think I think I'm more of just a stare down guy. I just hit three, and okay. whoever's closest to me from the other team is going to stare on them while I backpedal down the court. Mm. If you're Trey Young, you get a technical foul for that. True, true. So you got to watch out. Got to watch out for that. Uh, you know what? I don't. I don't. I'm not a big fan of the the making the three and then like putting it over your eye. I don't really like that one. I don't know why. Uh, I don't know. The three, right. uh, the three with the, the double holster three. Yeah. Three up, put the double holster down. I could do that. Yeah. And it's not only the people on the court. I mean, the bench goes crazy for three pointers like they're, they do, used to do for dunks back in my yeah. day. Yeah. So now it's a, it's a whole thing with the bench every time there's a three. And there, there's more and more threes, you know, every year in college basketball now. So, uh, <laughs> the bench is up a lot. The bench is up a lot these <laughs> days, uh, being a part of the game, uh, letting those uh, walk-ons and and bench warmers get a, I guess, a piece of the camera every once in a while as they celebrate. All right, all Three right, pointers. moving Three on. Yeah, that, was, that was a big, yeah, that was a big, that was a big left turn. Let's uh, bring it back. Bring it back. Texas, Texas Tech, sixty-three, Michigan, forty-four. Uh, probably the least entertaining game of the tournament. Um, and my only thought, Marlo, here was what happened to Michigan's offense? 
Yeah, they picked the wrong time to go absolutely stone cold, ice cold. I think I didn't. I didn't make it through this game because at some point I was going to be like, oh, "Michigan can come back," and they couldn't. I know the la- I, the last stat they were you know over whatever from the three point line. Yeah, uh, late into the second, late into the second half, and it, it was just it was it was ugly watch. It was like I don't know watching the Badgers flounder down yeah. <laughs> down the stretch there. It was just yeah, and this was the first crumbling of my bracket, the first domino okay. to fall. To yeah. crumble my bracket. Yeah, I did have uh, Michigan in the Final Four. Uh, I was just surprised to see their their offense. They were obviously missing shots, but they looked so stagnant against Texas Tech, and they just looked like they didn't have an answer, which is pretty surprising because uh, John Beeline's been a pretty good uh, tournament coach the past couple years, and just for whatever reason, I guess we'll, again, to allude to Texas Tech, they're moving on, but uh, maybe their defense is what, uh, what was the problem there for Michigan? And they their defense is that good. At this point, I was kind of like blaming it on Michigan more than I was kind of giving Texas Tech's defense credit. Um, all right, on to the next game. Virginia 53, uh, Oregon 49, the uh, Cinderella of the tournament who wasn't a Cinderella, the <laughs> lowest seed <laughs> left at the time, uh, only double-digit seed left, I believe, at the time uh, as a 12 seed. Uh, what did you think of this one, Marlo? I thought wholeheartedly that Oregon Oregon would beat Virginia going into it, <laughs> obviously taking the path away from Wisconsin. Uh, but that was that, that was not the case. Virginia showing up, showing that they weren't they weren't going to be one and done this time as a number one seed. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, good ride. The glass slipper fell off; just didn't fit anymore. Yeah, this Oregon. came <laughs> for all the glass slipper. Uh, this uh, came right on the heels of the Texas Tech Michigan game, and I guess from the outsider, the, I would say the Texas Tech Michigan game was an ugly game. This was just a hard fought defensive game with two really good methodical offenses and um, really tough defenses. And I saw a lot of the whole uh, the NBA fans and NBA people being like, why do people watch this or why do people like this nonsense, even though it was a well played, contested game? Um, I, I guess maybe it's because it, it, it was Wisconsin. It was a purest game. Yeah, maybe it was a Wisconsin fan in me, uh, but it was it was not an ugly game uh, like the Texas Tech Michigan game. It was just a well played, hard fought game um, for that. And I, and I was glad to see Virginia move on. And I don't know. I just after obviously after Oregon beat us, immediately rooted against them to lose uh, every round. It would have been tough if they had had gone farther um, on that. All right, on to the next one, Marlo. Michigan State 80, LSU 63. Yes, the LSU, uh, me against the world mantra, because yeah. your cheating has got, yeah. went away. Michigan State showed, showed them boys how to play basketball. Yeah, Michigan State was on fire. They shot 47% from the field, 41 from three. But honestly, I was surprised that those numbers were so low because <laughs> it felt <laughs> like they made everything. Uh, and they just got out to a lead uh, and really didn't look back uh, from that. Uh, on to Auburn and Carolina, uh, I would say the upset of the tournament, or at least of the Sweet 16, um, Auburn 97, North Carolina 80. Yeah, the most surprising yeah, the most surprising outfit from the Sweet 16 for myself, again with another crumbling blow to my bracket, having North Carolina fall down. Uh, in this, I mean, in this game, it was still a high-scoring game, which is North Carolina's jam, but yeah. it just seemed that Auburn was in all the right places defensively, not not making it easy for Carolina to get uh, to the spots they needed to, and, and ultimately giving a reason for us to put the camera on Chuck and watch him dance around. There you go, which everybody loves to see. 
Everybody loves that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Roy Williams, he his coaching style is occasionally to not coach, which throughout the season seems to work. And then when you get in situations, situations like this, your team kind of figures it out. But there was a point in this game uh, where it was within 10. I can't remember the exact score, but Roy Williams essentially had a line change at the scores table ready to check in. And the clock didn't stop because both teams kind of kept scoring or North Carolina would miss and Auburn kept scoring. And I was just screaming, call a timeout to get your subs in, who you obviously would rather have playing. There was Luke May on the bench, Cam uh, Johnson was on the bench, you know, two of his best players. And he was just letting the play go, and it was driving me insane. Um, and I guess that's worked out for him in the past. He has a couple national championships, but in this game, it seemed like his kind of let's let the boys figure it out on their own came back to bite him, and Auburn ran away with the game at the end there. Uh, all right, on to a tough one, Marlo. Duke 75, Virginia Tech 73. Yeah, well, we got began this tournament saying it didn't matter. Duke is just going to win it all. Yep. Ran it to Virginia Tech, who had been a, a Duke stopper the last couple of years in yep. the ACC play. Uh, thought this was it. We had full-on Buzz Williams action going. Buzz Cam was a frenzy, but just wasn't able to make those shots at the end of the game. Yeah, had a Great look on uh, the last play of the game, an inbounds play up to uh, Hicks, I believe his name was, uh, something like that, yeah, uh, with a wide wide open uh, put back and just left it short, and Duke survives another buzzer beater, um, and everywhere angels cried. <laughs> <laughs> and the last round, one of the round of 16, uh, Marlowe, Kentucky defeated Houston uh, 62-58. Yeah, I thought uh, in this game, I thought Houston had a better shot uh, of taking out Kentucky. I think they're a better team than, than a lot of people thought. Uh, obviously, it was not the case for the mm-hmm. round of 16. Kentucky Kentucky's moving on, and we'll talk about them in a minute. I still don't understand how Houston lost this game. They were up 58-55 to 55 with 40 seconds left, and if you go back and listen to what I just said, I'll repeat it. Kentucky won 62-58. to 58. <laughs> They scored the last seven points in 40 seconds. I don't understand... I didn't want to go back and watch it because I don't want to see Kentucky win again, but I'm still baffled that Kentucky actually won that game. Um, all right, that is it for the Sweet 16, Marlo. Any other, uh, I guess, overall takes of the Sweet 16 uh, for you before we move on to the lead Eight? It was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. That Sweet 16 was a lot of fun. Yeah, I think, uh, well, I guess I said that Texas Tech at Michigan was the only not good game. Uh, yeah. Maybe you could say that about Michigan State, LSU, but that kind of went the way I wanted it to, so I counted that as a good game. Uh, and Auburn, North Carolina was a little bit kind of uh, wider margin than you would expect it, but that was an upset. So uh, I think overall it was a really entertaining uh, eight games uh, in a really good, uh, I guess as we talked about at the top of this, uh, round of 16. All right. And then uh, I don't think the good games ended there, Marlo. Uh, went on no, to not. the Elite Eight, and I the guess since Eight did not disappoint. It, it did not. And I guess let's start with the most recent one, uh, and then we'll kind of go back and go through it in chronicle, chronological order because our uh, our Duke Jinx has finally, we've been, we've been pushing it all year. Uh, I don't know if our fellow fans have picked up on it. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we were pretty subtle about it, but uh, Duke's year is officially not Duke's year. It's, it's officially over we ran the long game on this 132 <laughs> breeze podcast duke curse yeah. has come to fruition uh michigan state rolling past duke 
Duke not able to hit a clutch free throw when it mattered. And I was thinking, too, Duke had so many close calls uh, yeah. leading up to this one when they were supposed to be this really dominant team that could take on everyone. And that was the third I mean, the third game in the row that came down the last possession. Uh, so I think it just came back, just kind of came back to haunt him. I mean, Zion Williamson was still unbelievable, as always, mm-hmm. doing doing what he does, uh, you know, out there in the court. But I think Michigan State, it, do we, we have to say it, right? It's Izzo time. Now he's oh, in, the, yeah. <laughs> in the final four again. Uh, this, you know, he's going to be talked about as the greatest coach in, in the Big Ten. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Blah, blah, <laughs> blah. Duke goes down. Yeah, coming into this game, Marl, I thought there was no way that Michigan State was going to win. Uh, I just I couldn't see how that would happen. Granted, I thought that Nick Ward was going to be out the way he left uh, the game against uh, LSU, the way he fell onto his injured already injured hand. I thought yep. there was no way he was going to be able to play, uh, and therefore I thought they were going to have one less person to throw at Zion. As you mentioned, Zion did Zion things. Uh, 24 points, uh, 14 rebounds, 3 blocks. Uh, two of them, I think, were pretty pretty spectacular. One in which he had to bend his head to make sure it move his head so it didn't hit the backboard. As yeah. he that, must be, that must be so cool. Oh, that is so God. cool. Like I'm just going to jump and I might hit my head on the backboard. And just like Having the wherewithal to like know that you might hit your head on the backboard and like be able to recognize that and move out of the way, like I just don't have that body control. Like I don't know <laughs> where my limbs are going half of the time when I'm playing sports, and like to be like I'm flying through the air. Oh, there's a backboard. I'm gonna slowly move my head out of the way and just avoid it. Unbelievable. Um, and I'm still <laughs> anyway <laughs> tangent. Uh, I'm still not entirely sure how Michigan State won this game. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> Winston was great. Don't get me wrong. He had uh, 20 points, uh, 10 assists, uh, four steals. But it took him 23 shots to get there, which seems like a lot of usage for the point guard. Uh, They didn't shoot that well from three. They only shot 32%. uh, But they just did enough. I don't know. Um, But to me, it feels it's more like what went wrong with Duke. Right. Right. We talked about uh, Zion being there. Uh, R.J. Barrett was there as well. He had 21 points. with a pretty effective for him, seven for seventeen from the field. Uh, I don't know. What, what do you, what's your take on what went wrong for Duke? Why weren't they this dominant team, kind of blowing these teams out instead, of scraping by UCF and scraping by Virginia Tech, and then just being unable to scrape by Michigan State? Yeah, I think what really came down to the law of averages was they were never a good three point shooting team throughout the season, mm-hmm. um, and this was you know during the tournament that it became. That did not change at all, obviously, and I think that's the thing that that, that caught up. Uh, we were able to make teams were able to make Duke not reliant, but it's okay if you take that three out there. It's okay if you take the outside shot. You know, mm-hmm. uh, we'll tr- do what we can for Zion. He's going to get his twenty and ten, uh, but you make them work for it and, and and really make them shoot from the outside. And then at the end of the day, when it comes when it came down to it, the law averages played out each other, and those you know those shots aren't falling. Um, you're not letting do get the easy baskets, and that's what kind of evens out the score towards the end. And I think with this, I think that plays right into the hand of a Michigan State uh, who you know will, can play that defense uh, from an inside out and mm-hmm. be able to, if you, especially if we're going to give uh, just concede, which I don't know, I wouldn't say concede, but for lack of a better word, concede on the outside shot, let them have it, um, but be hard nosed down once we go you know inside three pointer in. 
No, I think that I think that's a good point. I think especially if you look at Tyus Jones um, in the game against UCF, they just essentially didn't guard him and let him shoot from wherever he wanted. Uh, Virginia Tech tried a similar thing, but he actually somehow went four, five for seven against Virginia Tech. And in the game, the announcers gave all of the credit to Coach K. <laughs> all of the credit. That's just great coaching, coaching up Tyus Jones to make his three pointers. That was hilarious. Um, but in this game, he shot one, and I remember certain points throughout the game where I was like, he's open and choosing not to take this. And I think that um, was went back to his uh, confidence and his inability to uh, to make those shots. Uh, and as a team, they went seven for 21. Uh, but if you take away um, RJ Barrett and Zion Williamson, they, o- they only made two three pointers. So outside of outside of those two. Um, and then also in this game, they uh, had 17 turnovers, which was obviously a lot. But the way they got most of them seemed like when they were trying to force the ball into Zion, they kept trying to throw it over the top when Michigan State was fronting him on defense. And Mich- that's what Michigan State wanted them to do because if they throw it over the top, the help came over and intercepted the ball. Or uh, they underthrew it and then the guy who was fronting him was able to intercept the ball. So it's like they didn't try to get the ball into Zion a different way. They kept trying to force that, force it into him through that post pass, yep. and it just didn't work, and they never adjusted out of that. Uh, I don't know how many of those 17 turnovers were in that, but it had to be uh, a majority. I don't know say a majority, but it felt to me like a lot of them were that, and they just didn't adjust to that. So, um, yeah. Do you think that's, uh, you know, obviously it's, it's a young team. It's a very talented young team. Yeah. Um, and you have the other side, even Michigan team with the Michigan State team with a little bit more experience. And I, I don't even—I mm-hmm. hate to do this, but you know—is that a young team trying to press or trying to go into something they know uh, and, instead of taking what is given to them, as coaches say, uh, or is this—is that just Michigan State being better than than Duke? I think it was just Michigan. I think it was Michigan State being better in the sense that they were prepared for that, yeah. and Duke didn't have an alternative. Um, and I think that once you saw it wasn't working, that they needed to switch and try and get the ball designed in a different way. Cause he either got it out of the three point line where he shot a three, he shot six, three pointers, making two of them, or he had to kind of try and dribble, which he did effectively, but to try and get him in the post that many times, you needed to have a different approach and they just didn't have it. And I, I would put that on coach K more than I would on the, on the young guys out there. Uh, and they just really, I don't know if it, as far as kind of the, not shooting from the outside from the other guys. I don't know if that was just they didn't have the pieces to do that or they just didn't have another plan because so many times throughout the season it just seemed like they just relied on Zion and RJ being better. And that yep. worked all of the time and until I guess until it didn't. Um, I don't know. I, I would have liked to see – I guess I wouldn't have liked to see them because I didn't want to see them win. But <laughs> uh, I would have liked to see them um, do something else, have a little bit more offense outside of just those two guys creating on their own. But maybe they didn't have it. I don't know. Yeah. So what I, I did, heard you say is that you you have Tom Izzo as a better coach than Coach K. In this game, yeah. Oh. I mean, to, yeah, to, you have a good point, though, that it, uh, it has a lot to do with um, Michigan State being more experienced. And I, I guess we'll, I'm going to talk about this in a little bit, but Michigan State has – seems like they have some sort of intangible to this team. That doesn't make sense to me. Um. But we'll talk about that in a moment. One right. hilarious note I found in this game uh, that Duke, at the end of the game, uh, them not, I have huge quotes here, not committing any fouls throughout the game, uh, <laughs> came back to haunt them. Uh, they commented a couple times how Duke only committed 
<laughs> three fouls throughout the whole second half of the game. Uh, and then they didn't have enough time to foul Michigan State and put them on the line. It was, <laughs> oh man, just, it was glorious. That was chef's kiss there for, for that coming back to bite them. It was great. Uh, so, so that's it. I, I guess that's it. Anything else to say about Michigan State moves on? Uh, I, I'm, I'm still, like I said at the, at the beginning of this, I'm still shocked that Michigan State won uh, this game. I thought that Duke would just have too much, but it turned out that uh, Michigan State, Tom Izzo did it, your boy. Tom Izzo did it. Ugh. It is Izzo time. <laughs> All right. All right, uh, moving on. I'm back done. in back in time. To the, Actually, the f- that's how that's how dirty yeah. this whole game felt. Like I can't remember when it started. Like uh, I didn't know if I throw my bracket out the window because it was garbage anyways, but I had Duke winging it, but I didn't really want to Duke win it. But did I want Michigan State to move on? Big Ten, put him in the final four, cool, but then it's Michigan State. It just yeah. the whole thing just made me feel dirty. Yeah. I didn't I didn't feel too bad rooting for Michigan State. Um or th- for that case against Duke, even though that was my bracket, um, yeah. I did. I guess I was going to go into this in a couple more instances, but <laughs> sometimes the way I root for things is really strange. Because the second Duke lost, I was like, "Damn it, I'm not going to see Zion Williamson anymore." <laughs> like I was, I was legitimately bummed. But every time during the game he's doing something, I'm like, "This effing guy is so ridiculous!" Like I, <laughs> I'm upset as I'm watching him because I want Duke to lose. But then the second he's not in, I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> like, I'm not going to see that anymore. You know, yeah. he, obviously he's yep. going pro, and he'll do that in the NBA, and I can see that. But, like, in this kind of context in college basketball, which I care more about, I'm not going to see that anymore. So I immediately, like, that was one of my first thoughts after Michigan State won. I went, holy crap, they actually won. Damn it, I'm not going to see Zion anymore. Uh, <laughs> or R.J. Barrett, for that matter. Um, as, as frustrating as he was, because he was so good, as frustrating as it was to watch him, and how good he is at drawing fouls. Um. Yeah, yeah. It's it's weird. It's weird sometimes how I kind of take this in. Um. All right. On to Texas Tech Gonzaga. Yes. All right. Texas Tech uh, continued uh, their run, defeating Gonzaga seventy-five to sixty-nine. Um. Well, I gotta say, uh, everything after the block three-point three-pointer where he landed out of bounds by a foot, uh-huh, uh-huh, <laughs> and then uh-huh. saved the ball. <laughs> yep. Everything else, I mean. I watched out a protest because that was absurd that they did not see that. It wasn't like the Virginia Tech Duke one where his foot was maybe on the line and they're looking to see if he has possession and calling timeout. That's fine. His whole foot was out of bounds. I just, and then I know that that did decide the game and things happened after that, but that was such a critical play at a critical time and they got that so absurdly wrong. I was. Ugh. It anyway. was so egregious. And was it was it in the time they could review it? I can't remember. No, it wasn't because they didn't um, they didn't catch it when it happened. So and then play continued. Mm-hmm. So it was like the the Duke one because he saved it right, even though he's out of bounds. And then they called the timeout, so they couldn't review it yet because play had continued afterwards. Got it. Yeah, I think watch, yeah, watching it's one of those things where you watch it in real time and you're like, did he? What? They're just not going to say anything about it. And then you get it, you get the slow mo replay and you're like, how did they? How did yeah. they not see this? Uh, yeah, he landed. I, I mean, in in the moment, there's a guy shooting a three from the corner. There's only like a foot of space between the three point line and out of bounds, and the guy lands well behind him. <laughs> it was like impossible to think he was in bounds. Ah, anyway, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, no, but that's it. That's it. It's just just that perspective from home. Like I knew I saw that. It was confirmed that I saw that. But people <laughs> on the court did not see that. Yeah. What is going on? 
Yeah, and I don't, I don't know what they were looking at because they don't need to look at him to see if he catches the ball. Yeah, right. They can yep. see that. Yeah, uh, you know, I this whole game, I, I well, one, I was surprised how much I was, I wanted Gonzaga to win. Um, I don't know why. I just think think I want Gonzaga to win one of these. One of these times, I don't know. I just I think it's the small school thing. I think it's kind of the years of them kind of having the good record and then you know losing in somewhat agonizing ways. Now, I I just kind of want them to win one of these years. Uh, so I think that kind of shaded how I was watching this game. But the whole game, I thought Gonzaga's just going to figure this out and turn it on and win this game. And then at yeah. one point, it got to a point where obviously they didn't. Yeah. Yeah, I felt that way. I felt that way uh, too. I was like Texas Tech. Of all, I know that Texas Tech had won the uh, regular season Big Twelve. Yeah, but this whole tournament, I'm like Texas, Texas, Texas. Are they really? Are they are they really going to do this? Are they really a, a good basketball team? And you know, Gonzaga has been a great team all season. Yep. Um. It, yeah, just this game. I guess they showed up. Their hard nose. With, uh, yeah, showed up with their defense and what they could really do. So it'll be interesting to see going forward. Texas Tech making their first. Final four appearance. That's right. Congrats to them and their weird gun finger salutes that they have. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. I, I totally missed the Texas Tech thing. Um, I don't. I I went back and looked at. It. At one point, they were eighth in the country, and then they lost like two, three out of four, or three in a row, or something. And I think I caught a game midseason in that losing stretch, and I kind of like mentally wrote them off. Like they lost terribly against Iowa State or something, and I was like, they're yeah. no good, and. Yep. You know, obviously there was like half of a season since then that I just kind of like <laughs> mentally missed or something uh, as as I thought about this team. Um, but I, I'm with you. I totally I totally missed uh, the Texas Tech and that. In fact, I don't want to look at my bracket. Let's just say I had them losing early, <laughs> very early because uh, of that. I feel like that happens a lot to me, Marlo. I let one game that I saw during the season or like a collection of games really overshadow. <laughs> Yeah. My decision making when it comes to the bracket. One, I think was the big was the Big Twelve play on like Super Tuesday at like at like ten o'clock, the game that yeah. you're halfway paying attention to. Like this yeah. is garbage basketball. They suck. <laughs> yeah, and, it's like and they it's can't like even put away thing. Oklahoma State. Like how good yeah. can they? Be? <laughs> uh, anyway, anyway, all right, all right. Uh, so Texas Tech moves on. Uh, Gonzaga, a great year, but done uh, again. Um, on to uh, Virginia. Purdue, uh, Virginia won eighty to seventy five in overtime. Uh, in what I guess we can remember as the Carson Edwards show in a losing effort. Yeah, absolutely. Well, if, first of all, I mean, I guess it was overtime, but Virginia scored eighty points. Congratulations, mm-hmm. uh, you know, on that one. But again, yeah, that was it. Was another good, another hell of a performance, you know, out of Purdue. Purdue shocked me this whole tournament yep. with their games. I told I on the record for saying they were ripe for being you know overseeded and losing in the first or second round. Um obviously coming here to make the lead eight, making it an overtime game against the number one seed Virginia. Uh I thought uh watching that overtime or going into overtime, Purdue had the the upper hand there um and was gonna take it in overtime. Obviously that was not the case, but uh, Virginia, as their number one seed, make it to the Final Four a year after getting knocked out as a number one seed in the first round for the first team ever. So I guess their Vinges tour has worked out. Uh, they yeah, there was a, the Final Four. 
there was a great tweet from uh, the UMBC uh, Twitter account. Mm. It's they uh, put up they, another banner now. No, well, we'll see. They it was uh, the gif of uh, from the Great Gatsby movie, Leonardo DiCaprio, where he kind of raises the the martini glass and kind of nods in uh, approval. Yeah, nice. They they sent out that to Virginia. It was nice. fantastic. Oh, uh, they're gonna hold on for that so so long. That's oh man. Oh man, it was great. It was just it was such a cool little nod. Um, yeah, Carson Edwards, I mentioned uh, his game, forty-two points. Uh, he went fourteen for twenty-five from the field, ten of nineteen from three, four for four from the line, playing uh, forty-four minutes. It was an amazing performance. And the back and forth that him and Kyle Guy had early in the second half, where they just essentially traded three pointers back and yep. forth, was so cool. This was such a fun game to watch. Um, I was with you as far as I think. Uh, Talking of talking down Purdue going into the tournament, I believe I said that they weren't a very good team, even though they won the Big Ten uh, regular season title, a tie for it. Um, and I was kind of had that in the back of my mind as this game was going on, going, man, I'll have even more crow to eat if they go ahead and win this game. Um, and I mentioned earlier kind of the weird, the weird feelings I've had throughout this tournament. Uh, I was rooting for Virginia the whole way. Uh, you know, the Tony Bennett, Dick Bennett tie, uh, Virginia being the Wisconsin of the ACC, uh, had all that kind of going for me. And then when Edwards missed that last three pointer and then he had the turnover on the last play of the game. Yeah. I immediately felt bad for him and Purdue fans. And I was like, just a switch flipped. <laughs> I was like <laughs> the whole time I'm rooting against him. And then I'm like, ah, oh, damn, what a, what a performance. Poor Carson Edwards. <laughs> it's just. Why sports are weird? Why do I feel sports these emotions? Are weird. Yeah, it's weird the emotions that bring out. It goes back and forth so quickly, but that's why we love it. There was a there was a cool little uh, interchange between Carson Edwards. So at the end of regulation, uh, if I guess if you didn't see the game, hopefully you did. Uh, Purdue was up two, and um, Virginia was shooting the their second free throw. They missed it, got tipped back, and DeQuinte made a. Which is called a runner. It was like a it wasn't really a runner, but it wasn't really a set shot. Some whatever the in between of that is, uh, from about ten feet out to tie the game, uh, just as uh, as the clock expired. Um, and he kind of walked out to to take the tip off. And him and Carson Edwards kind of met eyes. Carson Edwards gave a little like said something and a smile and they, whatever they smiled at each other. And it was kind of like that was a crazy shot. Uh, you're lucky that you got that off in time. That Carson Edwards would have said to D. Quinte, and he kind of like nodded back and said. This is in my mind how this happened, Marlo. Yeah. <laughs> he nodded back and said, yeah, well, you baked in that three-pointer to, <laughs> to put you guys up. So yeah. we're both we're both freaking lucky to be here. <laughs> it was just a cool moment. It was a cool moment. Um, and then I put that own little narrative to it. So you're welcome for that, fans, for listening. Uh, all right. Uh, other note, Marlo, at, after the game, Dick Bennett was interviewed, uh, obviously former coach at Wisconsin, uh, led him to the Final Four, and uh, – father of tony bennett and he gave a really great interview um it was really really emotional i uh recommend that you guys go listen to it uh, but then at the end he gave, he gave a go badgers oh nice at, at the end of the interview so that was fantastic <laughs> i love that so in some way the badgers made the elite eight yeah the badgers lead eight tick bennett was out there so <laughs> and that just means that just means his son is eventually going to be wisconsin's next coach but also, could, they yeah. showed Gene Cady like yeah. a bunch of times on the bench. Took me far too long to realize that was Gene Cady. 
<laughs> why, why do they keep what? showing this old man? This oh yeah, why are they showing this old guy so much? And then it like dawned on me, like oh, it's Gene Katie. Okay, wow. Still with the comb over, man. Still with the comb over. Well, he had the hat on. Maybe that's what it was. If he, if I could have seen it. The, the hair, the hair would have given it away, but he had a hat on, and that threw me off. All right, Virginia Purdue. I think this was my favorite game. Uh, it was so fun. It was it was crazy, uh, and. Edwards was just insane. It was so fun to watch. I thought so. He shoots like this. He shoots twenty when he normally when he shoots twenty five times, they lose because he goes like four for twenty five, and he's yeah. like oh, he's bad when he shoots too much. That's when Purdue loses, and I guess they lost this game. But like this was a game where he shot too much, but made the right amount or more than the right amount. It was so cool to watch. Um, watch that performance. All right, on to the final Elite Eight game. Um, and I guess the early one from today, uh, Auburn defeating Kentucky 77 to 71, another overtime game. Um, what, it, what's your takeaway on this one, Marlon? Yeah. Could, I mean, it's third, third time this third time these two teams were beating, uh, obviously SEC yep. foes. Uh, yep. one was a close game. Another was a blowout by Kentucky. Yep. And obviously, this one came down to to OT. Yeah, hard to beat the same team three times, Marlo. It is got it is that hard. cliche. It is hard oh, to beat the team three times. Uh, man, now, now I'm blacking on the name uh, on Auburn. Oh man, shoot! Anyways, Charles, Bar- Charles Barkley. Yeah, Charles Barkley. No, Charles Barkley. Uh, anyways, Har- Harper through- Brown. Yes, went off. Went hot in the second half. Yeah, um, you know, pretty yeah. much could not be stopped. This was a it was a fun game too. I think a lot was made of who was the kid that hurt him uh, hurt his knee. PJ Washington. PJ Washington coming back. Why yeah. was he where he wasn't in the stadium? They're like, you know what, you need to come now. Yeah. Uh, well, I, well, I don't before the game. Yeah, before the game. Oh, I don't know. I didn't realize he wasn't there before the game. No. Yeah. There. I'm. I, I don't know if you during the broadcast are like, yeah, he's on his way now oh. that Auburn is down. For moral spirit, I'm like, well, where were you? And <laughs> why are you? Oh, oh, the, oh, the guy from Auburn. Yeah, Auburn, Auburn. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, I don't know who that was. Yeah, anyway. then they showed him on the on the behind the bench in a in a wheelchair. Yeah, exactly. Okay, yeah. I'm with you. Sorry, yeah. I was. I thought you were talking about PJ Washington, uh, the Kentucky guy who was in the boot the last oh. two weeks. Yeah, no. And then was good enough to play 37 minutes today. Right. Yeah. No. The, also, the miracle miracle of modern medicine. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but 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 yeah, but nevertheless, uh, foul trouble played played a little bit into this game uh, with with some players like Tyler Hero on the Kentucky side getting into foul trouble in the first half, limiting his minutes. Uh, but still, uh, nevertheless, it was a, a you know a hell of a game. Auburn making that comeback, getting it to overtime, and, and then taking it there. So a lot of fun to be had. It's all I mean, and then Calipari and Bruce. Uh, <clears throat> Pearl. Uh, first Pearl, one of the two most animated, I mean, co- oh, yeah. two most animated coaches in the game. That was uh, that was great theater in itself. So, wish I could have saw more of this, but, you know, congrats to Auburn making it to the Final Four. Yeah, Bruce, uh, Bruce Pearl at one point uh, took off his jacket, and then I think he realized how sweaty he was underneath it and put it right yeah. back on. <laughs> but it was it was only off for, like, a possession. That was really bizarre. Yeah. Uh, my announcer moment of this was when this is kind of similar to the Duke game, but uh, they kept talking about how good Kentucky was at drawing fouls. Yes, <laughs> it yes, drove me nuts. It's like, 
Like it seems like they're calling it two ways in this game. Uh, it took them into the last minute of our team ov- overtime to get into the bonus against uh, against Auburn. Um, this is my complaint with Kentucky, and this is kind of a Coach Cal complaint. Um, it never seems like he has much of a structured offense and just relies on his guys yeah. to do it. Uh, in this game, it was PJ Washington. It was more or less just get PJ Washington. Uh, the ball in the post and let him create. And I mean, he did a great job. He was 10 for 18 uh, with 28 points. Uh, he had a great game, but like when it gets down to crunch time, there never seems to be enough there. It's Tyler Hero trying to create on the drive uh, or create with the ball um, or read getting in the post. It just never seemed like they had a good offensive plan or a good play call. It was just their guy trying to be better than the other guy, kind of similar to my Duke complaint earlier. Uh, and that's been a Coach Cal thing for for years, I think. Um, and Auburn's there. The story is that you know they're such a good three point shooting team, and they shoot so so many three pointers. Uh, but I think what they end up doing is they kind of lull you out and make you guard. The, I guess it's not lulling if they make you pull it out, but whatever. They make you come out and guard that three, and then their their guards are so quick they get past you. And for being smaller guards, I think they're both six foot or under, something like that. They're starting guards. They're so good at finishing around the rim and avoiding uh, larger defenders. Um, and that was really on, on display here against Kentucky. Auburn's become the first team, Marlowe, since 1997, 1997 uh, to beat North Carolina, Kansas, and Kentucky in the tournament. Um, and the last team to do that was in 1997, Arizona, who went on to win the national championship. So watch out for that. Wow. Stats department. Look at that. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and so Auburn's on the final four, as you mentioned. Charles Barkley, very happy. He's excited. Uh, Apparently had tears of joy he needed to wipe away. Yeah, I get I Sure. <laughs> sure. I think it's just funny how he he just he leans into it and you know as everybody else uh you know tries to be at least somewhat somewhat partial Charles Barkley just obviously cannot be which I guess is part of his shtick now but uh it's just funny kind of the 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 difference there. Um so while Tyler Harrow didn't have a good game in this game Marlo I think he was a big reason why uh Kentucky was in this game in the first place and I just had a Obviously, he decommitted from Wisconsin uh, and went to Kentucky, which, I mean, if you are a basketball player, you probably should do that. Right. Uh, But I had a moment where I realized that he could have been the Sam Decker to Ethan Happ's Frank Kaminsky, and it made me a little bit sad. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, made me a lot sad because... My God, what a different team this Wisconsin team would be with this with this kind of player that Tyler Harrow turned out to be. Uh, oh, man, um, obviously, I don't blame him for making that decision. I'm not. I'm not saying that, uh, but that would have been really cool to yeah. see what what this the, the Wisconsin team as it was could have been with with that addition. It would have been something else. Uh, yeah. At least it's probably. a big. It's a very big what if, and it doesn't. It doesn't help that every single game everyone tells us that he decommitted from Wisconsin. Yeah. Like that's a big thing too. Um, <laughs> oh, he came to Wisconsin and come to Kentucky. It's not like he decommitted from Duke to come to Kentucky. He decommitted from yeah. North Carolina. He came from Wisconsin to go to Kentucky. And like you yeah. said, if that is your choices, Wisconsin or yeah. Kentucky or I, any of the blue bud schools for that, band. right? I think let's be, I, let's be. I know we're Wisconsin fans, but right. But eight times out of ten, you're going to make that move if you if, you know if you believe in your abilities and going to you know make the best of it. So. 
Uh, again, yeah, don't don't fault the hit, don't fault the kid for it. I just I just getting tired of being reminded about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, this was it was just weird. It was the first time I like thought of like I knew all you know that through the whole thing, but like it's the first time I kind of like thought about what the team would be like with him there, yeah. uh, and in, in that kind of context. So anyway. Uh, Anyway, brought that brought it down a little bit. Didn't mean to do that. All right. No, so all good. Our, all good. our final all four right. is set, Marlo. Final four is set. Um, before we move on, Elite Eights, all fantastic games. All really good games. Two overtime games. Uh, Michigan State, Duke, a one-point game, and Texas Tech, Gonzaga was more or less a one-possession game. So amazing games there. Um, we have a final four of Auburn and Virginia, Texas Tech and Michigan State, a five, a one, a three, and a two seeds. Moving on. Yes. Everything Before, we said last week about who was going to make the Final Four came to fruition. We know what we're talking about. <laughs> well, to be fair, Marlo, I have Virginia in my Final Four. <laughs> Michigan, I had a Michigan team in my Final Four, so gotcha. that counts. That gotcha. counts. Yep. Um, I did. I um, can't really sell Auburn. <laughs> I can't really sell Texas <laughs> Tech. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, they're also there. They're also there. Uh, I'd say this. This is still pretty chalky. I mean, Auburn uh, as a five seed is the lowest seed. It's not the only ones and twos that I had envisioned, but um, still pretty pretty close up there. I think it's it's, so it's not definitely different. Too wrong. Yeah, but I think when the brackets came out, yeah, and we had three number one seeds from the ACC, yeah, and I was gonna be like, hey, there's only gonna be one number one seed that makes it. It's gonna be from the <laughs> ACC. Are you gonna be? Are you really gonna pick Virginia? Would you put your money on Virginia at that point? I think I would have put them over Carolina, but obviously not over Duke. Yeah. Okay, that's fair. And I would. It's easy. Obviously, it's easy to say now because yeah. Virginia's in it. <laughs> uh, but I thought. Uh, I thought that with Kentucky in the, the I thought Kentucky was a tougher two than uh, Tennessee was for Virginia. Yeah. So, Again, but, easy to say now. Easy, yeah, easy to say now. But, so I think we have some interesting matchups. Uh, again, going back to, I don't I, think this is what we, what many people envision. I, yeah. I was. But, we could talk about Marla, before we, yeah. before we get into the matchups, I just want to say kind of a general thing about uh, the tournament and maybe the Final Four in, in specific and why I think it's so a neat little feature of it and why I like it so much. If if I may. Oh yeah, go ahead. No, All right, so. Yours. One of the things I love about the NCAA tournament uh, in general is that every weekend, if you make it out of that weekend, it's like a significant feat. If you make it to the Sweet 16, it's an accomplishment. And then if you make it to the next weekend, making it to the Final Four is an accomplishment in and of itself. Yeah. And it's not like that in any, in really any other sport. Like You don't celebrate or count how many times you got to the Eastern Conference Finals or something like that. But in college basketball, you count how many Final Fours might uh, or Coach K or Tom Izzo has been to uh, during the game today. He talked about how Coach K, um, if he had made it to the Final Four, he would have the most all-time Final Fours that he made it to, uh, and that sort of thing. And it's just uh, a neat way to kind of remember a season. Granted, you might not win the championship, and you can look back and say, "Hey, uh, you know what could have been." And we obviously have our uh, our instances of that with Wisconsin. You know, what if X went differently, or what if Y happened? But we look back on those years and go, remember when we went to the Final Four two years in a row? Like, that's yeah, a that significant. Cool. That was pretty cool. And it's a <laughs> thing you can kind of hang your hat on. Texas Tech, Auburn, this is the first time that they've made it to the Final Four. That's a significant accomplishment. And that's, I think it's just a really neat thing that college basketball has. And one of the reasons why I like it, that it has this kind of like, 
not winning everything and too much of I, I've gone on this rant before, so I'm gonna not mm-hmm. go off on another tangent off my tangent. Uh, <laughs> in sports, too much is championship or bust. And mm-hmm. at least in college basketball, we have well, this is still a very small pinnacle, right? Uh, we still have this that's not just championship um, to hang to hang your head on. And I, I, I don't know. I think that's really neat about college basketball in the Final Four, in in specific. So with that said, Marlo, yes, tangent, tangent over, tangent, tangent over, take take over, Auburn, Virginia, Texas Tech, Michigan State. Gotcha, uh, Auburn, sorry, Auburn, Auburn, Virginia. All right, looks like opening spread. Over- Yep, opening oh. at five and a half. Virginia, five and a half, and a Virginia. Half. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, since we're the experts on uh, takes for gambling, take take the money on Virginia. They're going to beat Auburn. <laughs> they're still on that. They're still on that. Uh, you know, last year was a fluke stage revenge tour. Going to make the national title game. But this game, it, it, it in all in all seriousness, should be a defensive uh, defensive battle. Auburn's going to want to. Auburn's going to want to run it. Virginia obviously wants to slow it down. Auburn has pretty decent, no, more than pretty decent, good half court defense uh, with mm-hmm. their switch defense, and obviously Virginia does as well. So, a little bit of contesting styles, but both predicated on defense. Could be a low scoring game, uh, but at the same time, it, it it should be. If you're a basketball purist, you'll probably like this one. Yeah, it should be pretty interesting. I think this is going to come down to the three point line, Marlo. That's my take. That is the take. Uh, Auburn is third in all of Division One in three-point attempts per game at 11.4, and Virginia is tied for the number one defense in three-point field goal percentage at 28%. Uh, so it, I think it's going to come down to if Virginia can defend the three-pointer, but not only that, um, if they can kind of chase Auburn off of it. Because the thing that Auburn's done, I kind of mentioned this earlier, is that while they take a lot of threes, they're really good at drawing the defenses out and then driving off of their three-point attempts uh, or driving off of their later possessions based on their earlier three-point attempts. But Virginia, with their pack line defense, I think is really set up to stop that um, and take away those driving lanes the way that they help, the way that they hedge so hard on on ball screens. Um, so I think that Virginia is going to present a unique challenge to Auburn's offense. Uh, alternatively, Auburn could just hit all their three pointers and just shoot over the True. shoot over them like a lot like Purdue did. Yep. <laughs> and if you know if they're just making their deep three pointers, it's not a lot that you can do in general about that. And I mean, ask North Carolina. Um, counterpoint to my own counter, and then <laughs> hold on, wait, I don't want to counterpoint my own counterpoint yet. Mm-hmm. I have another point. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> So in that case, Virginia gets down early, and then maybe they press, and they get nervous, and they stop being Virginia basketball. Counterpoint to that. Now I'm counterpointing my own counterpoint. Here we go. They've been down twice early already this tournament, and in both times they came back. They got down early at Purdue. They got down. Uh, they were down at halftime against the 16 seed Gardner Webb. Is that who they played? Yeah. Um, so they've been that. able. They've been able to stay, stay the course, trust in their system, and get through it. Uh, so since I've countered my counterpoint, that leaves me with my initial point that Virginia is going to win because of good enough defense. <laughs> nice. Hope everybody right. followed that. Follow that. Money on Virginia. <laughs> it was going well until I preemptively countered my counterpoint. <laughs> That's where it went off the rails. Damn it. <laughs> All right. On to the, the second matchup. Michigan <laughs> State. Before you counter, counter your counter. Yeah. 
Don't uh, worry. I have seven layers to this one. It's a seven-layer salad analysis. I'm inception myself. And <laughs> counterpoints. <laughs> All right. Michigan State. Opening that's two and a half point favorites uh, over Texas Tech. Um, I don't know. Bar- my, <laughs> I, had I still that, don't understand I, how Texas Tech is in the Final <laughs> Four. I'm still not. I'm still not over it. So yeah, I'm uh, going with Michigan State on this uh, one, just so I can disappoint me. I've doubted both of these teams pretty much all the way. <laughs> I don't know either of them are here, uh, but uh, now that I've now that I've watched kind of all all of their games, uh, they're both they both seem like such well balanced teams. There's nothing that really stands out about either. I guess you could say Texas Tech's defense uh, stands out. They have that that defense that that is what kind of their identity is. Um, and Michigan State, I guess, just has the normal Michigan State identity of kind of like toughness and grit and rebounding and all of that, um, which I guess I'll kind of bunch up into, say, intangibles. Michigan State has some sort of intangibles that pulls through. It never looks great. I guess it looked great against LSU, but outside of that, uh, even in the Big Ten, it never really looked, felt great. But they do enough. They do enough to win. Uh, And this year especially, they don't have the NBA talent that they normally do, that they've had the last few years. Uh, but they just have enough at each position to get it done. It baffles me. Um, I don't. I th- I think I'm just going to go with the that kind of general intangible. Tom Izzo has been being here before. Um, since it's a toss up, I'm going to lean towards Michigan State's experience of being there, and maybe Texas Tech has a little bit of. We're just happy to be here. We made our first Final Four. It's a tough. I don't. I don't know. I don't really have yeah. a lot of analysis for this one, Marlo. I, it's just. Yeah. It's, it's well, what it's when it's too hard. It's again, like you said, it, wh- what is going on here? Why? How are these teams two teams playing? So how am I supposed to pick a team uh, to move forward? So I'm just gonna go with Michigan State. Yeah. Uh, you know, t- again, this time is all time. Man, if if Michigan State wins a national title with this team, yeah. I th- of all the teams that they had, okay, I can't. I can't even fathom. We'll talk about that later. All right. Um. So what? So we we're we're both rooting for a Virginia Michigan State final. That's what we want to see happen. I think so. I yeah. I think yeah, I think the Virginia Michigan State. I think what CBS does not want is a Virginia Texas Tech matchup. That would be that would be tough. <laughs> that would be that'd be tough. I think an Auburn Michigan State, Virginia Michigan State, would be fine. Virginia uh, Auburn Texas Tech a little less fine, but Virginia Texas Tech would probably be the worst of yeah. of the bunch. So, I'm rooting yeah. for the best of the bunch, Virginia, Michigan State. Yeah, uh, there be there's a little. I think it's a little spicy to have those two uh, programs go at it, those two coaches go at it, and actually, I see this, you know, this tough, gritty, gritty, grinded out styles go at it. Yeah, I think there's a, you could find a narrative for each of them. Uh, Auburn and Texas Tech would be first national titles. Uh, Michigan State has the Tom Izzo March, whatever. That that narrative, um, and Virginia has the losing to a 16 seed, then winning at the next year narrative. Yeah, um, that kind of resilience. Um, I, I think they all have great narratives. I think you're right. The Virginia Texas Tech would be a very tough game to watch. <laughs> uh, you'd have to be a real purist for that. Uh, I could see kind of any of the other matchups being entertaining. Uh, so, all right. I, I guess we're we're both rooting for I guess a Virginia Michigan State from an entertainment and as well as a a. Uh, a fan standpoint, 
I think I'll be rooting for both of those in those final four. So uh, normally I'd say that'd be a kiss of death, but uh, who I was rooting for worked out pretty well today. Uh, or the last two days, <clears throat> with the exception of uh, Texas Tech, uh, all other three teams I wanted to win one. So not the kiss of death as usual. All right. Uh, that is it for the final four preview. Uh, let's have a look at our 132 Breeze podcast bracket update, Marlo. Okay. <clears throat> bracket challenge update. I will tell you this. A majority <laughs> of you out there are done. Zero <laughs> points remaining, including yours, <laughs> including yours truly. Bracket yeah. over. Uh, so we got, looks like we got Galliman who is leading it with 16 points remaining. Uh, so he might just take it away, but we do have this Prof Badger fan guy yeah. that is uh, has 16 points remaining as well, uh, that has a chance, yeah, that has a chance to kind of, to, to overtake that. So it's a, it'll be, it's going to come down to who makes a championship game. Yeah. Uh, not even who wins it, who makes the game. That's all that matters. <laughs> That's all that matters. And uh, you know we'll see what comes out on top. Yeah, I would. Uh, yeah, it it boils down to uh, if um, Michigan State makes a ch- it, Michigan State defeats Texas Tech, makes a championship game. Uh, Galliman wins the bracket pool. However, if Michigan State does not win and Virginia makes a championship game, I will win the pool. That's what we're all rooting for. Well, I just <laughs> said we were rooting for that, so I don't know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> if uh, neither of them do, then Galaman wins. So I know that he is a uh, Virginia fan, so I hope that this little uh, tidbit is in the back of his mind as he roots for Virginia, that if they win, there is a chance that he doesn't win this very important, prestigious uh, bracket pool. So there we go. There All right. we go. There also, uh, for the record, my... Uh, my bracket that had Wisconsin win it at all is uh, uh, about about middle of the table here. So <laughs> anyone below that should be embarrassed. <laughs> hey now, hey now. It was just, although it was essentially uh, Wisconsin win it all in all Big Ten teams and then all upsets. Um, but uh, Purdue making the Elite Eight probably helped that helped that a lot more than. Uh, it seemed like it would at the beginning of, of the tournament. And obviously, Michigan State uh, getting to the Final Four. <laughs> so maybe it's not as embarrassing uh, given the results. But uh, come on. Wisconsin lost to the first round. Yeah, Wisconsin lost to the first round. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. All right. That's it for the bracket update, Marlo. Uh, anything else on the tournament uh, before we move on? Nope. Just getting, just getting ready for the uh, Final Four on Saturday. Yeah. Final Four games on Saturday. I think it's like four and seven something like that uh sounds about right for the games uh oh six and nine way off way off way off six and nine that must be eastern because i'm on espn so minus uh however many hours depending on your um your time zone there all right in local basketball news marlo uh wisconsin's own formerly owned ty strickland has announced that he will transfer yes Ty Strickland announcing how you announce things now via Twitter, uh, that he is taking his talents elsewhere. Uh, The freshman guard was a three-star recruit, Mm -hmm. uh, very high on him, a lot of 
lot of reports coming out of practice that everyone on the starting team did not like going against him. That you know he's going to take that next step next year, uh, but has decided to go elsewhere. I think when I when this news first came out, I was kind of surprised. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously, you know, being being a freshman and, and stepping your role, that's kind of the way. Unless you're, well, it's just the way Wisconsin goes, right? And, mm-hmm. uh, he was on the natural. I felt like he was on that natural path. Still getting a little bit of playing time this year, showing flashes, uh, hearing about what he's doing in practice every day. That the the next year is when you take that step and you know you're able to come in in the full rotation and do your thing. Uh, so I was surprised, and then I thought about it, and I was like, mm, yeah, not so much. <laughs> uh, so, but it, it's it's. I guess I always you, you always get to a point. It's like why are, why are people transferring? You always mm-hmm. ask that question, um, but everyone has to make a decision that's best for themselves and you know, wish wish him the best of luck. My my first thought was, did he enter any sort of portal to do this? <laughs> not, uh, that it's wasn't clear. Is that a basketball thing? I'm not is sure. Is it just a football uh, thing? I, th- I feel like it's just a football thing and just this year. I'm not entirely sure. Yep. Um, <laughs> I still don't know what it is. Um, so I, I was with you. I was initially surprised. I didn't hear uh, a lot of the, um, I guess, good talk coming out of practice. Not that I heard anything to the contrary. I just, I, I was, that wasn't on my radar. Um, so I was initially surprised, but then I kind of thought back to how he declined to redshirt, even though mm-hmm. essentially the coaching staff wanted him to redshirt. And that, in hindsight, was a bit of a red flag to me. Um, and when he got into the games this year, I felt like he was very prone to turn the ball over, which seemed like a huge red flag for what Wisconsin basketball is supposed to be. Yep. Obviously, he's a freshman. Obviously, you would expect him to still have a lot to grow, um, but he just seemed to have a propensity to turn the ball over uh, and therefore didn't get much playing time this year. And I think that kind of didn't sit well with him. I think he expected to... I, I guess I'm... I shouldn't probably be speaking for him, but this is the way that I interpreted it, that he probably thought he should have had a bigger role denying that red shirt, um, thinking he, because he thought he would have a bigger role. And then that just didn't pan out for him this year. Um, so in, after my first reaction of, wow, oh boy, um, I was like, I, it didn't take me by too much surprise on, on second thought. Uh, it's a bit disappointing, I guess, from a Wisconsin program standpoint, um, because I feel like they sorely lack backcourt depth. Um, yes. And I thought he was going to be a part of that going forward. I mean, luckily, they're not using losing anybody to uh, graduation and obviously not for the NBA draft. Um, so I thought he would kind of slot in as kind of that backup point guard next year. Um but obviously that's not going to happen. So as always, best of luck um, to him going forward. Does this give you any concern kind of as a, a, a program? Uh, program why? Say anything, I guess, greater about the program at large, Marlo, to you. No, I don't think so. And I'm trying not to get caught up in you know the whole Twitter sphere and comments about, about that. No. Uh, but I think personally... I don't. I mean, kids are going to transfer. It's going to happen. You're not going to keep everyone. Everyone can't be happy, right? Yep. Uh, so you know, if it wasn't a fit, it wasn't a fit. I just, yeah, I think I was. I mean, you kind of you explained it pretty well, pretty elegantly. I just think I just felt that he had the opportunity to take that step and would get that playing time had he come back and kind of worked on on a couple yep. of those things. But, uh, but to each their own, right? Yeah, and this isn't fair to him, but being uh, the son of an NBA player, I always thought it was a bit of a weird fit 
just in the mm-hmm. sense that Wisconsin's kind of a, uh, you know, uh, put your work in type program. And again, this is not, he has, I've never read anything about this of him, but just kind of like an outside assumption. I don't know. Maybe that's not even fair to say. I, I should, I should not say that. <laughs> <laughs> just say those types of players usually, right? Expect to play sooner. And that's what I kind of got from the not wanting to redshirt thing. Um, and that's just an assumption I'm making. So the fit always felt a little bit weird uh, to me, um, which is fine. And you know, I I don't I don't have enough knowledge about him as to where he would where he would go. But um, you know, hope that he lands on his feet and gets some some play some playing time somewhere. All right, that's it. Local that's local news. Local news. local news. Uh, zooming out <clears throat> a little bit and staying within the Big Ten. Uh, the news finally came down, so we got to give a thousand prayers to Tim Miles. Uh, he was relieved yeah. of his duties this week, so <laughs> no more. Well, maybe he'll come back, but as of right now, no more, no more gifts yeah. of him running to the tunnel, falling down, or asking what day it is for no yeah. apparent reason. Yeah, um, no more hump Wednesday day jokes. Night. Yeah, no, no more Tim Miles joke as he is. He, they have parted ways with Tim Miles at Nebraska. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the writing's been on the wall, what, since midway through the Big Ten season. It felt like it's been a long time coming. Um, he was, uh, he, I think the way he handled that situation was great and hilarious. <laughs> I, he had to know he was getting fired. I mean, this was more or less a make or break year for him, and it went, all the wheels fall off. I don't think it was all his fault, but that's the way that the cookie crumbles, as they say. And I think he just kind of knew. And when they were winning those Big Ten tournament games, he was just riding the wave for one last time. And it was it was fantastic to watch. Um, I don't know if he'll get another big program gig, not in the Big Ten, um, but you know, as uh, uh, shoot, what's his name? Fox from Georgia. He's getting interviewed for the Cal job, and if he can get another job, Tim Miles can get another job somewhere. True. Uh, in a, in a, I think again in a different conference. I, w- I would I would imagine, but um, yeah, he was he had about a 500 record over seven years at Nebraska, which I guess being there seven years is is a, a good amount of time, um, but probably not going to cut it. Even for a program that doesn't have quite a pedigree as Nebraska, you know, eventually you need to show some signs of of improvement, and that was what was happening. But then, kind of fell off this year as the Big Ten improved and Nebraska didn't. So thoughts and prayers, as you thoughts said. and prayers. Um, so with that happening, obviously we have to fulfill that coaching yeah. vacancy. And Nebraska just well, it was like a, it was a not only was it a conclusion that Miles was going to be fired. It was also a foregone conclusion that Fred Horberg would become the coach of Nebraska. Yeah. Um, so it had, it had been out there. Uh, this was going to happen. Even at that the press conference after Tim Miles was fired, they were playing coy with it. But Fred Horberg is brought on officially as Nebraska's coach. Mm-hmm. For me, this is I these these are the situations I love as a fan. Right, Fred Horberg. Uh, former coach of the Bulls. Yep. Not a very good coach. Granted, his hands were kind of tied behind uh, behind his back by the uh, by upper management. Yep. But you know, I have no love lost for him. So, I personally would love to see Wisconsin wax him up and down the court. 
uh, <laughs> you know, year in, year out. But with that said, he has been a good college coach, uh, which does give me some pause, and it makes me kind of worried that Nebraska might become a respectable basketball program. But until <laughs> that happens, I, I will take much joy in, into beating Nebraska again and again with Frank Hoboy's sad face on the sideline. Yeah, uh, a little bit worried that he'll. I think he's. You said he didn't. He's not a good NBA coach. Let's say right. that. Not he a good NBA coach. The, didn't work out for the Bulls. Although that, as you mentioned, was a weird uh, situation. I'm concerned that he's a good college coach, yes. uh, as he did pretty well at Iowa State. Um, although they seem to be doing pretty okay uh, without him there. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. I. It's a splashy name for sh- for sure for Nebraska. Um, I just don't know the what the nebraska basketball program foundation is as for for him to build upon compared to what he was able to do at iowa state because i think that's a little bit more established program uh than what nebraska has but uh yeah we'll see it worries me a little bit more i'd rather have tim miles there (laughs) than fred hoiberg uh but uh, as we are also a reminder as i was reading up on this that uh, nebraska's ad is named bill moose bill moose like like how's moo moose Fantastic. All right. <laughs> all right. Just a reminder. Friendly reminder. Uh, all right. Uh, any other college things, Marlo? No, that's it. Only nice and tidy. Wrapping it up. Yeah. 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 That didn't go on long at all. All right. <laughs> to the paid professionals. Marlo, I don't know if you realize this. We forgot to mention it last week. Uh, baseball. It has, it has started. Were you, were you aware? Did you pass out? Uh, <laughs> you're so shy. You're so surprised. So surprised. Yeah, baseball. It's on its way. It's here. It's baseball season, which it it worked out kind of weird this year, right? Because yeah. usually, I'm so used to the championship game happening for March Madness, and then like mm-hmm. the next day is opening day. And yeah. It seems like I think I think the tournament kind of started late this year, so baseball yeah. opening day. Opening day was like the during the first week of the tournament, which is a bad move on baseball part. Uh, so we kind of just kind of fell through. So I'm just starting to catch up now. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, uh, the Brewers are off to a, a pretty hot start, Marlo. Um, last year was a, a, a pretty special year for Brewers fans. We got to the NLCS uh, Championship Series, one game away from the World Series. Lots of special moments last year. Um, but four games into the season, we already have a pitching home run. Uh, a Lorenzo Kane robbing a uh, home run to win the game. Yelich has four home runs in four games and had a walk-off double today to beat St. Louis. Hader had an immaculate inning where he threw nine pitches and struck out three batters, uh, had a 3-1 series win over St. Louis, and the Cubs so far, Marlo, uh, are 1-2. and two. They lost on a wild pitch today, and Yu Darvish had a terrible first start. So pretty good start back. overall for the Brewers. How about your team? Great question. <laughs> Great question. <laughs> Great question. They're one. They're one and two. Yes, one they and won two today. They won. They won today. They won today. Uh, one and they're two on in an opening series against the Royals. I just. I, so there you go. All right, baseball. Exciting back. start. Baseball, baseball is back. Is back. All right. Uh, <laughs> NFL news. <laughs> <laughs> uh, NFL. We had some moves. Get some moves happen. Uh, Bears have finally traded Jordan Howard. Uh, they traded up to the Eagles, all freaking people, uh, for a 2026 round pick that can be 
uh, if certain incentives are made, can be a fifth round pick in 2020. But Jordan Howard's out, got a sixth round pick back for him. I think we had talked about this, uh, but the, uh, the Bears have been shopping him around for a while. Not that he's a bad, he's a good running back, just, you know, doesn't fit Nagy's system. So they got a little something. I mean, a sixth round pick, it is, it is what it is. But I think that's the NFL in general. Like once they know you're shopping around, what are you really going to get for somebody, right? right? Yeah. Uh, baffling trade to me. Uh, I guess, sure, he doesn't fit in your offense. I don't know. He was a very good running back. I Just tail your offense to kind of fit him a little bit more, maybe. I don't know. Uh, we'll see. Maybe running backs are more interchangeable than I give them credit for. It seems like a bizarre trade to me. I don't know. Yeah. That's my outside look coming in. All right. Uh, Packers news tomorrow. Jordy Nelson retires. Uh, Packer great. Uh not pro- he'll be in the Packer Hall of Fame, not real Hall of Fame though, right? Not the NFL Hall of Fame. Outsider view, no. <laughs> Strutter, no- Nelson, I'm, I'm biased, but uh, I don't think so. Fam- I don't think he'll be a Hall of Famer. No. Yeah. So Packer Hall of Fame for sure uh, meant a lot to the Packers over the years. Obviously, part of the 2010 uh, championship. Um, had one season away from the Packers, just the one season, right, with the Raiders um, last year, and. Um, yeah, just it, it was a lot of fun. He was one of the most fun Packers to root for um, over the past 10 years. Uh, just his connection with Rodgers and what he was able to do, especially pre-knee uh, injury, was a lot of fun to root for. So um, wish him a, a enjoyable retirement, and thank you, Jordy, for the memories. Um, all right. All right. Anything else in the NFL, Marlo? No, not not, not quite. Nothing. Not quite football Drafts season. coming up. Drafts coming up. We'll get into that yeah. soon. That's when football is really back. Um, <laughs> but up until then, we need to talk about that other football. Yeah, all right. And get to America's favorite segment, Casey's Corner Kick. All right, Marlo. What a, uh, well, I talked earlier about the Sunday that I had. It got kicked off today with Liverpool uh, facing Tottenham, and it was a nerve-wracking game. Uh, Liverpool entered the game. Uh, one point behind Man City uh, for the for the title race in the EPL, and Tottenham was kind of fighting for a spot in the top three. Uh, in the EPL, Marlowe, the top four spar- spots play in the Champions League, which is the, uh, the club competition that you kind of... It's the uh, competition you want to be competing in as a club team. Uh, it kind of signifies that you're one of the top teams in all of Europe, uh, so kind of an important deal, and it also means a lot of money into your club's coffers. Um, so it was a, a high-stakes game, and Liverpool scored early in the 16th minute. Uh, Tottenham scored, uh, let's just say, somewhere in the second half. <laughs> so that, from then on, it was very nervy uh, as Liverpool tried to attack and could not get a goal. And then finally, in the 90th minute, on a, uh, a cross that Mo Salah headed at the goalkeeper, he kind of fumbled, went off of the defender's leg, and then agonizingly rolled towards his own goal off of to Tottenham's goal. And he like the defender took a step like he was gonna clear it and then just couldn't reach it and the ball rolled in for an own goal. Liverpool went up two to one and held on to win by that amount. And it was a very nerve wracking way to start my sports day, but it was rewarding nonetheless because Liverpool went away with a win. So that means officially Marlo, the title race is on. Liverpool are still in it. Um and they are now two points on top of City. 
Uh, but City has a game in hand. Liverpool has six games left. Only six, Marlo. This season is going by so fast. Uh, City has seven. Um, it's hopefully going to come down to the wire because uh, I think the other alternative is that Manchester City runs away with it. Uh, but this week, there are some midweek games. I'm interested in City. I'll just highlight the two that I will be tuning in on because it involves that title race. Manchester City will be facing Cardiff City uh, Wednesday. Cardiff City got screwed by the referees losing to Chelsea today. They're one of the lower uh, lower place teams in the league. So hopefully they can put up a good fight against City like they against Chelsea today. Uh, and then Liverpool is at Southampton on Friday, uh, a game that both these games uh, should be won by uh, Liverpool and Manchester City. So hope, hopefully we're hoping for an upset, Marlo, uh, for Cardiff and things to go as expected against Southampton. Uh, that is it for the corner kick. Nothing on the personal level. I was not able to make the Thursday game uh, in my old man league. So oh, no. we'll have to wait till next week to find out what happened there. Here <laughs> <laughs> all in suspense right now. I know. Everybody's like, oh, man, I listened to this whole darn thing. Find that out. And then he's no going to hold update. out. No update. Uh, that's it for the corner kick. Uh, next week, uh, not not this coming week, uh, but next week, the ninth and tenth is Champions League, the next round. So uh, start mentally preparing for that because that's coming. Uh, but that's it for the corner kick, Marlo. That's it for me. I have I have nothing else. Uh, but as always, you can find us at Twitter at one thirty two breeze. Myself at Marlo Jr. Casey's at Prof Badger Fan. Thank you again for listening. Be sure to share, like, tell your friends. It really helps us out. We appreciate all the help that you've given us so far. Casey, do you have any last words? As always, until next time, I hope all your favorite teams win all the sports. <laughs>